Hi, this is Jim from Safety Wars. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty and prosperity and the highway to the north, this is Safety Wars. Just over here making sure I'm broadcasting. Here I am on Safety FM. We got a little bit of a late start here. We have stuff going on. All different kinds of stuff going on. How did you enjoy the program last night? Why don't you go and put it into the messages here? Whatever platform you're listening on. So to be clear, we are broadcasting here on Safety FM. We also have several other platforms. We have Facebook. We have YouTube. We have Twitch, we have Telegram, we have Twitter, we have LinkedIn, right? We're on all of those. We're on four Facebook channels. Yes, and we're also gonna do a shout out. Uh, we haven't figured out how to do it live on Rumble or Brighteon or Gab, but we're working on it. And Hold on. Making sure that we are. Oh, there we are. We're, we are on Safety FM. Right. I always have that running in the background, so it may come across every once in a while. So I know everything is working. So often what happens is, for whatever reason, the board doesn't connect to the software. So to get it to connect, I have to go off the air and then on the air, and it's confusing and everything else. So I just run with it. And I rely on my webcam. Uh, microphone. So, again, we're getting better. How did you like uh, last uh, night's show? We did a way deep dive on uh, NACs, Nationally Immune Air Quality Standards, and also air quality indexes, uh, the uh, air quality, uh, yeah, the air quality indexes and everything else, AQIs, uh, went into the government data and everything else. And I gave a shout out uh, to my uh, daughter's teacher and they asked her tonight to write a little article or something for that for the school newspaper, uh, what, what she learned and everything else. It was a really a uh, positive experience. It's really important that we involve uh, our children, our children in our community and what we do for a living here and what we uh, do. Right, it's uh, it really does make a difference uh, for everybody. I hear if uh, because it's like the, what do they go? They're on the damn phones. They're on you know the computers, the iPads, and everything else. And that's not really real life, right? That's virtual life. So you got to try to get people involved. Teach them. They're going to learn from example. You can't expect them to not be on the iPad or computer all day if you're not being if you're on the computer all day not going to happen they're going to see what they imitate the same thing uh, uh, I don't want to get religious here uh, but there's been study after study after study that without a father taking children to church mothers I mean they're faithful they, they go to church they go to synagogue they go everything they're involved in the religious life uh, and that makes a difference, but it's even more important for the fathers to be there to show, uh, you know, the uh, uh, way. And I understand there's you no know, single moms and single parents and single and everything else. I get that uh, with that. We're talking the nuclear family or whatever we're going to call it. But you got to show the more important you have to show them, regardless of your situation, that you love your kids, that their stability, that you love them. You cherish them. They're special. 
And that's really important. I think that's a lot of what's going out there. And I know I'm a young parent here, right? I have a 11 and an eight year old, uh, but it seems that uh, they want support. And okay, we have, all right, we had a message coming through on one of the platforms that was inappropriate. So uh, you could guess which one. What are we going to talk about tonight? A lot of news came out today on a lot of stuff. So on the uh, fire front with the Canadian fires, and it reminds me of uh, the old South Park song from South Park the movie. Blame Canada, blame Canada. That's what uh, going through my mind here, right? Uh with everything. Oh, before I forget, and it's on, it was on my Instagram and Facebook feeds. We will be on Coast to Coast AM this weekend, Saturday night, with Ian Punnett on the first segment, to, no, uh, wrapping up uh, the East Palestine, uh, Ohio uh, situation. Uh, so a lot of that is starting to wind down uh, for the most part, as far as news coverage is concerned. But uh, what, what we're, no, they, there's a lot of data out there on the internet. I mean, legitimate data from, uh, the EPA, there's other developments that are out there with the legal cases and things of that nature. We're probably going to do a, uh, we're probably going to do a show tomorrow if we're on the air tomorrow, uh, with, uh, involving all of that and, uh, an overview but uh, what it comes down to, they released a lot of soil sampling results and everything else here. I got to take a look at it and do a little bit of a deep dive as to what's there and compare it to uh, a lot. They had some town hall meetings this week on it. I want to do a little bit of research before I uh, say anything and uh, do anything with that. I'm not really prepared for it, uh, prepared to discuss it in depth. And I, that's one thing I try to do is go in depth with things and with that. So uh, that's what we got on that. I mean, there, there's all different stuff out there. The other thing is uh, today, what did I do today? Today I wrapped up my training class that I had with, uh, that I had with one of my customers. And right now I did, I do this, do that all over again. Last, uh, the other night, I erased, I closed out all my articles here. I think I might, oh, no, there it is. Okay, I did not close anything out. So, sorry about that. So, we're going to go over uh, first uh, our regular news and views show. So, what I do is I go and I look at what's going on in the news having to do with safety. And it's all different kinds of safety. Personal safety. OSHA, environmental safety, military safety, security, and everything else. And then I go and I comment on it. And what the idea is, I, no, I, you're getting my first reaction with this stuff. And sometimes we have to Google certain things on air and things of that nature. I don't know. I'm a one man show here uh, with things. Uh, and, I want to go and I want to give you, you're getting your, my honest opinion with things. First thing it tends to work out better that way than me sitting here with a prepared statement, like a lot of other uh, podcasts where they're out there. Oh, you know, and then it's perfect. You're getting your pure unadulterated Jim Pozel with most of these uh, broadcasts. So I finished up my uh, training this week with, uh, with, uh, 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 hazardous waste uh, site work where I have a supervisor class, the eight hour supervisor class, plus some other materials that go into that. Uh, clients hire me. So when their employees are out there managing these jobs, what are they going to look for? Whether it's with a safety audit, how the job is run, uh, different technologies. I explain uh, today, I had a little discussion on technology that they're going to be using on a specific job. And so everybody has a big, good overview as to what, how you run a hazardous waste job. How do you run, do an accident investigation, a basic one. 
how to handle an OSHA inspection. Now you're going to say, well, Jim, a lot of that's in a 30-hour outreach course. That's correct. And a lot of most of the outreach trainers do a phenomenal job out there. But we try to do things that are tailor-made to what our client is doing. And uh, what I find out is that usually our clients, hold on. Usually our clients are uh, really up to date, you know, up, up, to, uh, up to date. They know what's going on and everything, but they don't understand certain little things. So one of the things we go into is, that I covered today is introduction to human and organizational performance. And I liken it to this. There was a famous radio talk show host that said, if you want to be effective at whether you're going to be doing radio, uh, radio work or presentation to people, is to talk about what people know and validate what they know, if it could be validated. You don't want people living in a delusional lie. And what we find out with human organizational performance, what I find out, is that people, it's natural. People know what it is. But thanks to people like Todd Conklin, Sidney Decker, and a whole bunch of other folks that went on before us, right? We stand on the shoulders of giants. We, uh, what, what am I trying to say here? What people feel, uh, they can't articulate. So you have to try to articulate it for them. And that's what I find with Hop. People, you know, it's pretty much common sense on most of this stuff. You know, how to get along with people, how to conduct yourself, how to conduct an accident investigation uh, and things. Now, people want to help you out there. People want to help you. Someone gets hurt. People don't want to normally get people hurt on the job. They want to help you. But what happens? You get, you know, like uh, the studio lights here, right? that we have in here, you have people being adversarial during an accident investigation and they never get to the bottom of anything. And usually it's not, uh, you don't get to the bottom of anything. And if you make it into a painful situation, an accident investigation or incident, whatever we call it, mishap, doesn't matter what we call it, people are not going to report them. And if you're in a situation where you're a host employer or your general contractor, you want people to report things because now you're in the front of the problem. You're not behind the eight ball. Yeah, you may be with the response and everything else, but now you can manage it. You can make sure the person gets the right treatment, make sure the investigation is done correctly and everything else. What you don't want to happen is 18 months or two years later, they get in just under the uh, statute of limitations here and they get in here and then all of a sudden you get whacked with a lawsuit. You get whacked with, oh, well, you know, that's an OSHA recordable now. Or, uh, uh, you, you know, you have OSHA, you know, knocking on your door. You're, hey, with that, or another regulator. And I'm not disparaging OSHA. They got a job to do. They do it, no, usually do it pretty good. Uh, but uh, it's along the lines of you want to be in the front of it. And that's part of what HOP is, Right. You're going to be in the front of the front. You're going to incentivize people reporting things. This way, maybe you could figure out what happened and everything else. And that's what we cover in our classes here with this. I, I don't know what anybody else says. I know a lot of folks are better marketers than I. I understand that. They have flashy websites. They have flashy, you know, insightful uh, LinkedIn things. I get that, Right. But the reality is, is we're all, especially on the Safety FM network, we're all on the same team here. And we're all here to make sure that we have safe and healthful workplaces. We're all here to make sure that we all get along. You have harmony in your working environment. And I guess what, at the end of the day, you do a job, honest day's pay for an honest day's work. You go home, do whatever it is you want to do and enjoy yourself a little bit. 
And that's what we try to do. That's what the point is. So we're dedicated to your safety on any of this stuff, uh, on all of this stuff here. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, we are safety wars. Okay. And let's hear from Jessica. OSHA recordables, catastrophic losses, environmental disasters. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. That's my daddy. Yes, that's, I am your father. So here we have from OSHA News, uh, right? Uh, this is from their website. Federal safety inspectors find Illinois contractor with a long history of violation, again exposing employees to dangerous workplace hazards. This news release came out today. Uh, I'm not going to mention the name of the company, and let's remember everyone's innocent until proven guilty and things get litigated and vacated and everything else. So these are the initial fines. Uh, for the seventh time since 2015, federal workplace safety inspections have cited an Oswego contractor who refuses to protect carpenters while working at elevations as required by federal law. Inspectors with OSHA observed six carpenters employed by a certain company framing new townhomes in Oakland Park in April 12, 2023. So now, all right, this citation is going to read a little bit different in the penalty phase, I think, because on March 31st, 2023, uh, March 31st, 2023, they changed the way that they're citing people. I don't know how this is going to work in here, but long-term, we're going to supposed to see higher citation fines and amounts, everything, uh, because uh, they're going to issue more, uh, break things out a little bit differently and organize a little bit differently. So this is on, on April 12, 2023, at heights of up to 21 feet without fall protection and, and so an open an investigation. OSHA learned that in addition to not providing fall protection equipment, the contractor failed to train workers on the use of that equipment and forklift operations and did not provide workers with eye protection. So this is going to be really good here. Now, I'm going to say this much. You need training? We're your company. 845-269-5772. After, after the inspection, the company received OSHA citations for one willful, one repeat, and two serious violations with proposed penalties of $151,260. The findings in this inspection are similar to fall protection violations. OSHA identified at six other work sites in the Chicago area since 2015. Currently, the company owes for the more than $81,000 in unpaid OSHA penalties. Wow. So they didn't pay them to begin with. So they're, uh, you, uh, the companies, I'm not going to mention the name of the company, continued in defiance for federal safety regulations and putting their homes at risk of serious and sometimes fatal fall injuries, said OSHA Chicago South Area, Area Director James Martinek in Tinley Park, Illinois. Falls are a leading cause of death and fall in the construction industry and everything else. And they also called out the owner, and I'm not going to mention his name, of the company. And it's someone who we have heard of from before. So here we go. And the link has uh, uh, a link to OSHA fall protection resources. So let's take a look at this. Let's, how does this break down? From United Custom, oh, um, you didn't hear that, all right, and this is right off of the thing, no, we're going to save this one, hold on, because I could see that they're probably going to take this off here, and which they do every once in a while. Citation 1, item 1, type of violation, serious, was 8595. The employer did not assure that each affected employee uses eye or face protection. Okay, here we go. How much does a pair of safety glasses go for? You can get them in bulk for $2 a pair, roughly on that uh, website that's named after a river. The employer did not ensure that each affected employee uses appropriate eye or face protection when exposed to eye or face hazards from flying particles, molten metal, liquid chemicals, acids or caustic liquids, chemicals, gases, etc. 
So what was it? They were op- this is a roofing company. They were operating a pneumatic nail gun without eye protection. Almost $8,600 here. Really? Or, right? Here we have another one, Sirius. Uh, item one, citation two. Citation one, item two, I mean. The employer did not provide a training program for each employee potentially exposed to fall hazards to enable each employee to recognize the hazards of falling and the procedures to be followed in order to minimize these hazards. So people had no training uh, with that. Um, That was another almost $8,600. This is citation two. And this is rather extensive because what they do is They cite all the previous times you've been cited for this. This is a willful violation, serious. This is each employee engaged in residential construction activities six feet or more above lower levels were not protected by guardrail systems, safety net systems, or personal fall arrest systems, nor were employees provided with an alternative fall protection measure under another provision of paragraph 501B. All right, so uh, what was this? Uh, no, no, no. The employer does not ensure that fall protection equipment is used when employees are exposed to fall hazards. Wow. What was that? 120,000 bucks, and they listed numerous times where they were found out before. Citation three, item one. Type of a violation, repeat serious. The uh, employer did not ensure, this is 1910-178, so that is a horizontal uh uh, uh, horizontal regulation, meaning that it applies for general industry and construction. So the employer did not ensure that each powered industrial truck operator, a.k.a. forklift, is confident to operate a powered industrial truck safely as demonstrated by the successful completion of the training and evaluation specified in paragraph I. So the employer, a guy, uh, a guy was using a genie telehandler, telehandler and was uh, not adequately trained and demonstrated by the successful completion of a training and evaluation program. All right. Altogether, $151,260. Again, uh, I don't know what to say on this one. Get your training. Give your employees equipment. Here we have one from yesterday from Region 5. This is out of Buffalo Grove, Illinois. Uh, Federal investigators find trench lack required cave-in protection that could have prevented Burr Ridge contractors' fatal injuries. Down about seven feet from the surface, a 27-year-old worker of a plumbing contracting business was fixing a residential water line damaged during excavation when the trench's walls collapsed, crushing him fatally in December 2022 in a Buffalo Grove uh, work site. Another employee in the trench with him at the time escaped the trench unharmed. So they were uh, found the company had failed to install cave-in protections that would have protected workers in the trench. Now, I had, uh, uh, during our training class, we talked about excavations this week, very briefly. Right, it wasn't a full-blown in, uh, excavation class. We had an awareness level of uh, excavations. And the big thing is, when you have flowing water in an excavation, right? first of all, you have to have everything. You have to have a confident person, protective system, sloping or benching, whatever is appropriate, uh, means of escape, uh, right? And you have to prove that you did an inspection. All that stuff is in there. But what happens is, uh, when you start to have flowing water into an excavation, that compounds everything else. Even if you have all those protective systems, all of a sudden you have flowing water in there. That's a timeout, and everybody executed the excavation. The confident person really should go and reevaluate that, especially if that was not an expected thing. So what happens is with the water flowing in there, not only are your hypersaturating uh, soils in there, making them structurally unsound, causing a cave-in, but you might also be undermining those uh, the walls and the walls of the excavation causing a cave-in. Those are often two other things. aren't the only things that could, that could impact that. So uh, what was... Now, a man died here, all right? A man died. 
They were issued two uh, citations totaling $35,940, right? And we, I'm going to have a comment on that in a minute. And we're going to have the citation right in front of us. Citation 1, item 1, type of violation serious. This is 1926-100. Uh, employees working in areas where there is a possible danger of head injury uh, from impact or falling or flying debris or from electrical shock and burns are not protected by protective helmets. So again, this is no hard hat. $4,688. How much is a hard hat? You can still get the budget hard hats for uh, about 10 bucks, right? Costing 4,600 bucks. Now you're going to say, well, Jim, this is an obvious small business. They'll get reduction here. They may even get a va uh, a va something vacated. Well, guess what? Okay. But still, a man died. $4,600. All right. With this. And this is all, the fines are all in line with uh, policy and everything else with the uh, OSHA official policy. I get that. So if you're a trainer, this is the type of document you want to have for your uh, uh, employees as part of the, the case study. How much is your life worth? $4,688, all right, uh, in this, all right? How much it is? Now, the second one, right, the citation to item one, type of violation, willful, serious, okay. Each employee in a cave-in was not protected from cave-ins by an adequate protective system in accordance to 29 CFR 1926 the honor about uh, December 12th, employees are right before Christmas, too. Employees are not protected from the hazard of cave-ins by shoring, sloping, or other protective means while working in a trench having a depth of approximately 7 feet. $31,252. Right? Again, these fines are not very large when you consider the consequence here. And there is always going to be a debate there. Well, you're against the employer. You're against this. You're against that. New York, I mean, New York has a lot of issues, but New York will go after the people responsible for that. So now you're dealing with a criminal case if you're the excavation confident person potentially, and something like this happens and you're negligent. You could be found criminally negligent. I'm not an attorney. I don't play one on the internet or TV. I'm just telling you what I've read, what I've experienced with this peer-to-peer -peer advice. So that's uh, something you got to uh, really consider here, right? If you're, what's the incentive here? We had two cases here. The first case, the guy was fined $81,000, never paid the fine. The second case, the, uh, right, uh, uh, the second case, person got killed, $35,000 in fines. What's the incentive? Is there an incentive for them to work safe? I don't know. What's the profit margin here with this? Again, and for PPE. Now, here comes the other thing. What's the purpose of an outreach course and all this training? From time immemorial, what happens? We go through outreach training and other training so the employee knows what the right thing to do is. Right? So now you're here, and I'm going to guess that this is probably with some of the details that I didn't go into this here, uh, with here, is this. The, uh, can an employee bring their own PPE into work? I'm not saying that, no, okay, yeah, the employer has got to supply PPE, blah, blah, blah. I get that. By law, they have to, but often that doesn't happen. Can the employee bring in their own PPE? The employer is not supplying it. You need a job. See, from their point of view, you have to have the job. 
Part of the reason why you have training is in case the employee has to get their own equipment. How many employees supply their own safety equipment? A hell of a lot. And I work with some very large general contractors and uh, companies, host employers. It often happens, pardon me, it often happens that employees bring their own stuff. What, what, no. So if you're an employee, bring your own stuff, maybe. Maybe that's the right thing. Maybe that's your situation. I'm not saying it's morally right or legally right. I'm saying you have to take an interest in your own safety sometimes. If I worked for an employer that didn't supply anything, I'd probably go looking for another employer, right? Or ask for the equipment, and, you know, you could go that route also. So uh, here's some good news. OSHA recognizes Black Hills Energy Technician in Cheyenne, Wyoming, as Voluntary Protection Program's Leader of the Year. And this is uh, who? Uh, Joseph Sviatko, Operations and Maintenance Technician in Black Hills Energy Cheyenne Cheyenne Prairie Generating Station in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Sviatko was chosen in recognition of his consistent and passionate dedication to safety and health excellence and the OSHA VPP at, uh, at his workplace. His efforts include providing advice and guidance to his co-workers, actively serving as a mentor and ensuring the safety and health well-being of colleagues and contractors in the site to ensure the safety. So they actually, uh, I'm going to say congratulations to this uh, gentleman. We need more people like you looking out for your co-worker. Right? Following that golden rule. OSHA recognizes Phillips 66 Casper, Wyoming worksite for 10 years of continuous participation in the agency's VPP program. So this is uh, Phillips Bulk Petroleum Storage Facility and Terminal in Casper, Wyoming. Uh, the So Region 8, I guess it's 8. I think I need glasses or a better monitor here. VPP participants, right? Uh, the Phillips 66 Bulk Petroleum Storage Facility and Terminal has completed 10 years of continuous participation in OSHA's Voluntary Protection Program. OSHA Endeavor is recognizing the Casper Cipher's achievement in reaching this milestone. Uh, 10 years of continuous participation in the OSHA uh, Voluntary Protection Program is a tremendous accomplishment. The employees and managers of Phillips 66 and Casper should be quite proud. They are a model for safety excellence in our region, said OSHA Administrator Jennifer Roos in Denver. And uh, Phillips 66 Casper Station's achievement uh, as a Decades of Excellence Award recipient is significant. As a bulk petroleum station and terminal, this site succeeds in handling unique situations and hazards by combining an incredibly strong work ethic, communication, and passion for the safety and health of employees and contractors. The site sets an extraordinarily high standard by continuously earning VPP Star Award status with superior injury and illness rates. Right, I'll withhold comment on that. Said Wyoming OSHA Deputy Administrator Karen Barbensi in Cheyenne. So congratulations to all here. That's like a really good thing here. All right. Going on over to some EPA news. Benton Harbor, Michigan meets requirements of EPA order to improve drinking water safety. So that's some good news here. Today, following successful completion of requirements to improve the safety of its drinking water and to protect residents from exposure to lead, the U.S. EPA has terminated its order to under the Federal Safe Drinking Water Act to the city of Benton Harbor, Michigan. All people deserve access to safe and reliable drinking water, and the community of Benton Harbor is no different. We are pleased that the city has taken action as directed by the EPA to protect public health and ensure its crucial access, said EPA Region 5 Administrator Deborah Shore. Today's action recognizes the important progress in the community to reduce exposure to lead and better protect the city's uh, drinking water system from harmful pollution. So that's great. More good news. 
Here we have EPA's final cleanup plan for the Hageller Zinc Superfund site in Vermillion County, Illinois, is now available. Today, the U.S. EPA announced the final plan to clean up contaminated soil and sediment at the Hageller Zinc Superfund site in Vermillion County, Illinois. In addition to zinc products, the former smelting facility produced sulfuric acid and cadmium, which result in large amounts of slag stored in piles on the site. Soil, sediment, groundwater, and surface water are contaminated with cadmium, lead, arsenic, and zinc. So uh, they're going to be excavating the soil and disposing of it properly. And uh, their the site uh, will be capped and re, uh, the creek will be rerouted uh, to ensure a safe distance from the slag pile and everything else here. And they're looking for public comment. EPA to hold community-led awareness seminars in Memphis, June 15th through 16th. That is next week, 2023. Next week, uh, this is from uh, Region 4 Press Office. Uh, Next week, the U.S. EPA will hold community-led awareness seminars in Memphis, Tennessee. If anyone's out there, might want to go and uh, try to... to, uh, uh, No, go out there and do it. And they're doing it on, what, Eventbrite. Participants will use lead awareness in Indian country, keeping our children healthy curriculum, commonly referred to as the lead awareness curriculum, to learn about actions they can take to reduce lead. Now, I'm going to click on here for the uh, sign-in here. I wonder if this is going to be at all. Now, this is going to be an in-person thing. Okay, great. So you could go and click on the in-person thing. And they are also doing a train-the-trainer situation. Let awareness curriculum train the trainer uh, at uh, in-person also. I think this is a good thing. You've got to get the community leaders involved. We're going to walk on over to the Department of Labor uh, site. Uh, now, they cover things outside of what's on the OSHA website uh, here, uh, but some of that, there's some overlay, and sometimes they issue things ahead of the OSHA site. So the U.S. Department of Labor orders South Dakota Helicopter Ambulance Service to reinstate a mechanic who reported safety concerns and filed an FAA complaint. So let's remember that OSHA manages whistleblower complaints for like 21 different federal laws that may or may not have anything to do with safety. So uh, that's something uh, to remember. So when you see, well, uh, see some of these whistleblower complaints, including the Sarbanes-Oxley law, that's OSHA that manages that. This is from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. A federal whistleblower investigation found that a South Dakota-based helicopter ambulance servicer retaliated against a mechanic who reported safety concerns and filed a complaint with the FAA. The Department of Labor's OSHA examined the mechanic's complaint against the company after the company terminated their employment. OSHA found that the company's actions violated the Wendell H-4 Aviation Investment and Reform Act for the 21st century and ordered them to reinstate the mechanic. In addition, OSHA directed the company to pay the employee more than $30,600 in back wages and $25,000 in damages and to remove negative reports from their personnel record. OSHA's investigation found that the uh, mechanic reported concerns with the safety of a helicopter on July 21st, 2022, and continued when he was persistent. Uh, believing that the issues were unresolved, he, the, file, the mechanic filed a complaint on September 2nd, and allegedly, and the company terminated them on September 29th. And again, what do we have here? All right. You cannot just say to them, uh, you know, especially when you, well, you can, but it's much more effective unless it's an ideal age, immediately dangerous life and health situation to build a case here. Because if you just go call, one of the first things you're going to do if you call on an OSHA citation, and by the way, your OSHA outreach training course is supposed to include what I'm about to say right now. All right. You have to have make a good faith effort 
to go and resolve a safety issue. You can't just say, oh, we're having a safety issue here. Let's call OSHA. You call OSHA, blah, blah, blah. First thing OSHA is going to say is, okay, did you try to resolve this yourself? Did you talk to your supervisor? First question they're probably going to have, one of the first, right? And if the answer is no, there's a chance that they're going to note down everything in there, and then they're going to say, why don't you call back? Why don't you go? And this actually happened. Why don't you discuss it with your supervisor? And then get back to us. Because at that point, you show good faith effort that you're going to resolve an issue. And then if you, now let's say from the other side, how does this sound? Yeah, you know what? I've been complaining since July 21st about this situation. They didn't do anything about it. I have it documented multiple times in writing on uh, voicemail, on this, on that, blah, 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 I, uh, that I tried to resolve this. They refused to resolve it. And guess what? I filed an OSHA complaint, and then I was terminated uh, uh, less than a month later. You have a much stronger case. And they're more likely to investigate that than if you go out there. I'm sorry, they're supposed to investigate everything, but it depends on what level of investigation they have. They do have their priorities. They have limited resources. It's probably the most underfunded organization out there. So what you end up having to do is this. Build a case. And then, if they can't resolve it, then do it. Same thing if you have an unsafe situation. You have an unsafe situation, you say, you know what, I'm not going into that situation. I'm not doing it for whatever reason. And then you say, okay, I'm not doing it. And if you stay with your machinery and your workers, I'm not doing that. They fire you. Then that's then they have a problem. If right, uh, uh, they compel you to do things and everything else, you make a call into OSHA. Hey, I'm having this issue. It's an immediately dangerous to life and health issue. I'm refusing to do it, blah, blah, blah. You have a good, you, you know, you, ha- you can be successful with that. If you say, I, I'm not doing that dangerous thing, leap you and walk off the site, guess what? That's not a good faith effort. And guess what? They may have a right, they, they, they may terminate you. But the thing is, it's going to, why didn't you terminate the person? Well, because they walked off the job and they used some choice language to us, insubordination. You're less likely to win a whistleblower complaint. So what you try to do, unless it's an IDLH, immediately dangerous to life and health situation or some type of urgency, you try to build a case, right? You send out an email, send out a, a voicemail, you send out a written thing. You talk with it. You have witnesses. Hey, look, and you try to be reasonable. That's how you fight a battle in the safety war that we always talk about here. That is how you fight it. You be reasonable. You be logical. And, of course, you have a backbone, right? You have a backbone with everything. And that is what is lacking from safety professionals. They have a backbone in the wrong time. What do we hear? You got to do this. You got to do this. I said you got to do that. That's a backbone. But they don't have that same backbone when they're, right? They don't have that same backbone often when they go to management. Hey, look, this is what the problem is. This is this, this is that. Blah, blah, blah. They don't have the backbone with that. And guess what? You're being hired to do health and safety, unless you're being hired as a bench warmer or something. And. Okay, low battery, I get it. So, and that's the other thing. You have to have a backbone with all this stuff when you're with the people. You have to be logical. You have to be reasonable. You have to be uh, uh, not not upset. I'm going to tell you, my father used to tell me, the first person who screams and yells and argues loses. That's often the case. This is why... People get into workplace violence situations. One of the reasons why. U.S. Department of Labor, Mexican Consulate, and Albuquerque Alliance seeks to protect safety and health of West Texas workers. On June 8, 2020, and this is from Department of Labor news release. On June 8, 2023, OSHA's area offices in El Paso and Lubbock, Texas, uh, 
and the Albuquerque Mexican consulate entered into a two-year alliance to provide Spanish-speaking workers in West Texas with information, guidance, and access to workers' rights resources. So, uh, again, they're out there, they're working there, and everything else. Federal investigators find trash, trench... Uh, okay, we, wrote, we read this one already. Okay, that's a repeat. This is from Pewaukee, Wisconsin. Federal workplace safety inspectors opened an investigation at a Pewaukee Dollar Tree store in January 2023 in response to an employee's concerns about unsafe work conditions. We're going to go to commercial break here. Hold on. This is an urgent call. I'll be back in a minute. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with The Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with The Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with The Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. In an unpredictable world, one voice rises above the chaos. Meet Jim Pozel, a seasoned safety expert who's navigated through some of the most dangerous scenarios from anthrax, explosive cleanups, disasters, and numerous environmental cleanups, and lived to tell the tale. Now, he's bringing his wealth of knowledge, insights, and experiences to you through Safety Wars. From workplace hazards to the hidden dangers in your own home, Jim covers it all. With his engaging storytelling and expert analysis, Safety Wars isn't just a podcast. It's your guide to a safer world. Join Jim Polzel and become part of the Safety Wars revolution. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts and videos. Safety Wars. Your safety is our mission. You are listening to Safety Wars. Tomorrow's safety today. Okay, we're back. Well, sorry for the interruption there. Uh, thank God I have some commercials. and so- Thank God the software is actually working today. Ay, 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 ay. So uh, where are we here? So Dollar Tree, exposing, uh, right, uh, exposing uh, employer needs to be blocked to block the exits, aisleways, and everything else. Proposed $98,000 in penalties for exposing eight employees to safety hazards. This news release was today. So this is an example where it doesn't make it over to the OSHA press releases. So uh, again, same things, right? One repeat violation, right? Was there anything else here? So I have the thing. Dollar Tree source is free, free. Oh, there you go. Violation type, repeat serious. Exit access are not at least 20 in, 28 inches wide at all points. And uh, basically at the store located in Pewaukee, Wisconsin, exit routes from the break or locker room area through the middle of the stock room on the west side of the store were not maintained to provide employee with adequate space. Again, uh... Hold on. We're going to go to commercial break again. Have you listened or watched uh, the Safety War Show? It does stream live on, on the radio and um, on the streamer emers that we have. So if you have not taken a listen to Jim Bozel and what the hell he's doing every evening with uh, Safety Wars, I would I would strongly encourage you to um, 
to take a view or take a listen, um, whichever option is available for you, and take a listen to what the hell he has going on. Uh, it's definitely, it will take some deep dives and some information that you might be interested in. Okay, we are back here. Thank you for the kind words, Jay Allen. So we have a one uh, exit rows, 28 feet, uh, 28 inches thick, and they have it from numerous uh, situations. That was $98,000 for a blocked exit. I don't know what to say at this point here. We'll continue to cover it because it is what it is. U.S. Uh, now, uh, apparently they had, no, they used the uh, OSHA record keeping, right? You have to do electronic filing now uh, under most circumstances. So there were nine Montana employers recorded zero worker injuries and illnesses in 2022. Again, I'm going to use my statement analysis knowledge here, recording zero worker injuries. I'm sure that there is no fraud here, but I know of companies who do shady things and sometimes they're caught. Here we have uh, that one we've already covered. Here we have three North, North Dakota employers recording zero worker injuries and illnesses. All right. And uh, da, 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 da. They, these are actually pretty large companies and I've worked with some of them. Out of here. So, congratulations. No recorded injuries. Uh, and another two people in North Dakota, two companies. That's good. And three Wyoming employees. A lot of good things coming out there where uh, a lot of injuries that uh, companies out there with no injuries and illnesses reported in 2022. That's a good thing. Here we have. And this is from the Epoch Times, story by Jackson Elliott from today. Instagram's algorithms connect a vast work of network of pedophiles and pedophiles. An investigation by the Wall Street Journal, Stanford University, and the University of Massachusetts Amherst discovered. The inv investigation by the Stanford Internet Observatory's chief technologist, David Thiel. I wonder if he's related to the soil scientist. Research manager Renee DiResta and director Alex Samos discovered that a massive network of English-speaking social media accounts buy, sell, and share child sex abuse material across several social media networks. Some child pornography is created by children or teenagers trying to earn money, impress a date, or appease a blackmailer. The report calls for this content self-generated child abuse material. So, What's the moral of the story here? Be very careful what your kids are doing online. All right. Uh, I, I've heard of some cases here where children under the age of 18, minors, have sent nude photos of themselves, right, uh, or have taken nude photos of themselves and then get whacked with a child pornography uh, charge distributing it. So now they're whacked. Uh, stigmatized for a lifetime for maybe a one or two time mistake when you're young. Number one, number two, educate your children with this stuff. I know of one family, good family, solid family that is going through a little literal hell over their uh, child being their teenage daughter being exploited. It's a living hell that they've been through all around. And, uh, Horrible, uh, a horrible situation. And they had to find out about it from another parent because a parent was checking their child's social media and their phone. They found it of this child on that child's phone. So now it was a complete and total mess uh, out there. And, and, and let me, it's just like with a, any type of uh, sexual harassment uh, type situation. The victim is victimized again and again and again and again. The uh, former president's son, Michael Reagan, he's been very uh, outspoken with this. I've never met Michael Reagan, 
in all my travels, but we ran in the same circles. He, uh, he was uh, very open with his uh, experience in this area where he was exploited as a child and everything. And what ended up happening was that those pictures and those photos and those videos and all the other material is still out there. And he says, what the thing is, is that it's continually going on and on and on and on. You're continuously victimized. And he's in his no, he's in his seventies now, I think. And this happened when he was a teen. And it, again, he's being victimized and the shame and everything else. So please keep an eye on what your child is doing. Russia forcibly removes children from Ukraine, undermining its future. Now, February tenth of last year, we had Imogene Salva uh, talk about, and we're going to be going into uh, this uh, overtime here with the... Oh, we have to, right? So we're, we're going to be going overtime. So you people on Safety FM, we're going to sign off in a couple of seconds here, and then we're going to continue on our other platforms here, and you'll be able to get this on the podcast. So uh, last year, Imogene Salva wrote a book, One Star Away, about her family's experiences, which are 90% similar to what my mother went through and my mother, great aunt and grandmother and 12 other people went through in the Soviet Union during World War II uh, when the Soviet Union invaded Poland and most uh, 12 people in my family that we know of, but we know it was likely more, were killed in concentration camps in uh, the Soviet Union. So reportedly, and this is from the uh, from the uh, from the uh, 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 Wall Street Journal. So this isn't like a uh, conspiracy theory. This is one of the uh, newspapers of records. They're documenting stuff that it's happening now in Ukraine. Why is it? This is not. Uh, this is expatriation. Uh, what this comes down to is that they're taking people out to depopulate the area and make them into Russian citizens in the hopes of probably to return back because this is history repeating itself. That's why we did that program is that, and that was done before the Ukraine law, uh, Ukraine, Ukraine uh, war. And again, history repeats itself again and again and again. And uh, my cousin over in Poland was uh, my cousin over in Poland was telling us about the demographic problems that they're having over in that part of the world. Not enough replacement population, and that the countries are going to be in decline. So this is one of the reasons why Poland let in all these refugees from Ukraine, but it's also why Russia is doing this also to the children. They did it to my mom and grandmother and everything else to try to get people to become Russian citizens. So uh, I'm going to go and with our outro and I will be back after our outro and we'll continue. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system or transmitted in any any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. Okay, we are now off the air uh, with uh, Safety FM, and we're going to continue now with YouTube. That's our break. I actually feel like this is an actual radio show uh, and a talk. The advantage of being on all these other YouTube and other platforms is that we could go over the hour if we need to on here. We're right at, uh, what is it? 58 minutes. So we started a little bit late. So we'll continue here. As long as I feel like doing it. Uh, 
So again, this is again, this is a repeat of history here with the Ukraine situation. We have demographic issues that people say, well, that's a conspiracy theory, Jimmy. That's a conspiracy theory. No, it's not. It's a math problem. We have low birth rates that are having severe economic, uh, right now, economic uh, uh, consequences in the Western world. Very soon, it's going to be a cultural consequence with us. And the countries are not going to be what they're going to be because they're going to have to change. They're going to have to bring in other cultures. And I'm not being xenophobia. We're talking reality here. Things are going to change. We're not going to have the same country uh, in any way in another 50 years. I, it doesn't matter to me. I'm welcoming of everybody. We're a welcoming country, right? We are, have historically been, United States have been the shelter in the storm, the harbor in the storm, the safe harbor. We welcome people. We have a history of immigration and things have changed change with immigration. That's just the way it is. And uh, now uh, with us, we're, we're ready to adapt and accept people. Countries like Russia, not so much, right? Not so much. We're willing to assimilate people. Here we have, again, from the Epoch Times, Supreme Court affirms right of nursing home patients to sue the state. Americans who depend on government programs like Medicaid and food stamps can sue to secure rights under laws that created these programs, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled on June 8th. In the 7-2 decision, remember there are six uh, conservatives and three liberals. So in a 7-2 decision, meaning that people cross the aisle here, the high court upheld an appeals court ruling that green-lighted an Indian and a man's family to sue over his uh, care at a state-run nursing home using a 150-year-old reconstruction-era federal law known as Section 1983, which provides a cause of action for victims of civil rights violations by state and local governments. This dispute was brought in uh, was brought in 2019 by the family of Georgie Talevsky, a dementia patient who was admitted in 2016 to a nursing home operated by the Health and Hospital Corporation of Marion County in Indiana. In court filings, the Talevsky family claimed that the facility poorly managed their father's dementia, over-medicated him with powerful psychotropic drugs and chemical as chemical restraints, and forcefully transferred him to different facilities, which allegedly caused his condition to deteriorate. Suing through his daughter, Talavesky accused the nursing home and the HAC officials overseeing the facility of violating the Federal Nursing Home Reform Act, which sets the minimum standards of care that nursing homes receiving Medicaid funding must follow. Talavesky died in 2021 while the litigation was pending, and uh, the argument against him was that he had no right to sue under the law. And... Uh, specifically, uh, what what was going in here? The federal district court sided with the state, but the seventh district circuit court of appeals allowed the case to move forward. In their overruling decision, the circuit judges concluded that the two rights that Talavesky specifically pressed—the right to be from uh, to be free from unnecessary chemical restraints and rights to remain in a facility without being transferred except in certain circumstances—are unend ambiguously implied in the text of the law, and therefore Talavesky could sue and to enforce them. So that's the Supreme Court case boiled down to two things, right? Uh, what are the man's rights? Number one, uh, under Medicaid, and number two, what is the rights against chemical restraint? So uh, they said that they're able to sue. Uh, the two dissenting justices are worse, Justices Samuel Alito and Clarence Thomas. So uh, that's how that went on that. I went a little bit long on that. Noah declares El Nino conditions are present worldwide, forecasting to strengthen. Right, the Na NOAA, National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration, has declared the arrival of El Nino, an on again, on and off again weather phenomenon that brings warmer sea temperatures near the equator. Now, what I am seeing here is this. They have a map of the effects of El Nino 
And wouldn't you know it, I'm looking at this, this is from the Epoch Times, the polar jet stream they have, and uh, it's flowing down towards New York, New Jersey area. And it passes over the area where there are forest fires. So that's why we're getting these uh, smoke over here. Pretty, or brush fire, whatever we're calling them nowadays up in Canada. So uh, the agency noted that El Nino occurs every two to seven years on average. They can bring heavier rain to some parts of the world or drown in others. By the way, a lot of this smoke is supposed to be cleared out because of, uh, because of uh, uh, rains and everything. Okay. I think that's all that we have. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to be talking about East Palestine, uh, Illinois, and uh, I'm not going to play the outro again. We're just going to go directly to uh, the Star-Spangled Banner. We'll see you tomorrow. If I don't see you tomorrow, have a great weekend.